everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am part of the show. My name is Jeff. The other part is uh, here with us as well, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome to uh, the show. We got a lot to talk about this week. Boy, I, I uh, have heard or I read the um, table of contents for the show and the uh, the program that we give out uh, to all audience members. Yes. There you go. Oh, yeah. And, uh, this is just I hear it's going to be an exciting one. A little hint of maybe we should call it your weekly baseball history pop culture podcast. Uh, I mean, we sure. like to focus on pop culture anyway and baseball, but this is pretty much the epitome of it. We're, we're going to be talking about the 1986 dope beat that the uh, that the Mets dropped in Mets Mariah's and... Oh, I just have so much. I have so, so much, not just to say, but to drop some some bars on you as well. Sweet. But before we do that, Mark, we got to get into we got to get into game shape. We got to get that's into right. BP here. We can't got some be, things. Yeah, stretch the muscles out, man. Yeah, we're old. I mean, we, we can't be getting hurt out there. You, you can't miss one show. We hear about it. You all roll right. an ankle and it's all over, man. Yeah, especially at our age. It's, that's right. Our careers hanging on by the thread. Um. <laughs> Let's uh, let's get right into it here. Universal DH. We talked about it last week. Everybody loves it. And no amount of emails is going to tell me differently, frankly. <laughs> Edgar Martinez, one of the best DHs, obviously, ever. And the DH award was named after him, correct? The Edgar Martinez. That's right. Okay. Well, now that the NL has a, a designated hitter as well, every other award they have has an AL version and an NL version, right? So they're going to need an NL version of the best DH in the NL. Well, this is true. That is why today I am putting forward my vote to officially name the National League Designated Hit Award the Dan Vogelbach DH Award. There you go, man. <laughs> I think he clearly deserves it. Snacks and, and Edgar Martinez definitely in the same same you know, sphere of influence oh, sure. when it comes to baseball. No question about it. I, I like that pick, uh, but I think I got to go with the previous winner of the DH award. Oh, wait, there was none in the National League. Never mind. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe Albert Pujols is the front runner because, you know, he spent <laughs> half his career in the National League. He's back there. And when he was in the American League, he was just, although not a very good one, you know, comparatively. I don't know, maybe Albert Pujols DH award. I don't know. If sure. He played a lot of first base, though, you know, especially <laughs> obviously when he was in the National League to begin with. Uh, well, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. This is going to be a tough one, but I think I think Vogelback's got the early, the early. You can year. make it a race. You know, whoever wins the award, it gets named after him. Just each year or maybe just this year since it's the first official Universal DH. No, permanently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we could have the Nelson Cruz designated hitter award this year. Why not? Big, big happenings, big news, big update on a previous topic that we have talked about on this show. But we had a record taken down this last week. The yes. visiting clubhouse in Philadelphia cheesesteak record has been broken. I saw that. The Rockies were in town and their physical performance coach, which when you think of somebody putting away cheesesteaks, the physical <laughs> performance coach might not be your first pick. No, it doesn't pop into my head immediately. No, but Mike Jasperson, he did it. He is their physical performance coach. 25 cheesesteaks. They were there for four days, so he had a good long stretch. But that is, that's six and a quarter a day 
That is ridiculous. <laughs> that is. So as we mentioned before, the previous record was 20 over a four day period. So he pretty much smashed this record. Wow. That was set by uh, Brewers bullpen catcher Marcus Hanel in 2015. A little bit of information here. The average South Philly cheesesteak averages 900 calories and 40 to 50 grams of fat per sandwich. Oh, yum. He ate 25, which would be almost 60,000 calories and close to 4,000 grams of fat per day. How do you burn 60,000 calories? I don't. Well, he's a physical performance coach, so probably has some idea of how to burn that many calories, but geez. Kidding. That's frightening. I, you know what? I, I used to be a, a not, never professional, but I used to do food eating contests. And the closest I ever came to that was I ate 46 Big Macs in a month. Oh, <laughs> I'm not even making that up, man. And I lost. I lost the contest. Who, how many did the winner have? 53. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> It's like two a day almost. Oh, it was. And, and back then it was like Big Macs for a buck. You know, it was a while ago. Oh. So it was an inexpensive contest. But man, after well, like 20 inexpensive hours, monetarily, but on your health. Right. What? <laughs> right. I still haven't recovered. And this is, you know, 20 some years ago. Jeez. And it probably they probably came in those styrofoam containers back then. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I think they did. Actually, I, I should have collected those. I could sell them on eBay now. Oh, yeah. Uh, the EPA would love that. Uh, No word yet on if there is a parade uh, planned either in Philadelphia or Denver uh, about this achievement. That's a lot of meat. That is a lot of, well, it's a lot of cheese too. That's the thing, that American cheese. I do, (laughs) I am, I hate American cheese. American cheese is disgusting, right? Really? Oh, I just can't stand it. No. I'm a big fan, but I like almost every cheese. Well, I do too, except for American cheese. But <laughs> figures. Yeah. All right, uh, Lars Newt Bar update. Time, Lars. Lars has been sent down to AAA. Oh. I think this is for the best. I mean, he was not playing much, and when he was, he was really struggling. He's so, got to get his abs. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. It, I wouldn't have looked until today when we're recording the show, but I got a live update from one of our longtime listeners, Chris Cook, who's a big Cardinals fan, and he was at a Cardinals uh, a Springfield game. I'm not sure if they were home or on the road, but he sent me a picture of Lars at bat. Nice. So, yeah, we were aware of this long before we're recording this. Uh, as we record this, he's appeared in four games in, I'm not, not Springfield, Memphis. Springfield used to be their AAA club. Now it's Memphis. He's hitting 250. Let's see. He's getting on base at a good clip. 400 uh, on base, but not, not no extra base. Or no, I'm sorry, two doubles. So he's got some pop. But I, I have been able to acquire so far two Lars rookies, rookie cards. All right. Well, let's hope he works his way back up. All right. This show is debuting May 3rd. So close to Star Wars Day. Oh, right before. Yeah. Right, right before it. Uh, a couple of debuts today. First of all, I mean, this, it doesn't get much bigger than this one. 1936, Joe DiMaggio makes his debut. Yeah, heard of him. Yeah, you have. I mean, we would really need an entire podcast dedicated to the Yankee Clipper to do him justice. And I don't mean just an episode. I mean, like an entirely separate podcast (laughs) that does nothing but talk about Joe D every week. Because... 
The guy was just incredible. Did everything. Married Marilyn Monroe. Spokesman for Folgers. I mean, shoot, you can't full, beat that. Full, full thing. Uh, Joe missed three prime years of playing time as well, 1943 through 1945, because he enlisted in the army to uh, serve his country during World War II. In 1953, his first year on the ballot, Joe received 44 percent of the votes for the Hall of Fame. 44. 44 percent what in the world and okay i'm confused <laughs> i am i am confused as he did not get in until his third year of eligibility joe dimaggio didn't get into the hall until his third year no okay and this i mean it just does not make sense i don't care I don't think it was the uh, the class, you know, his first two years. Oh, there's just too many people. I think this right. is just the, the uh, you got to make them wait, make them sweat. Oh, all is, the nerve. That is incredible. DiMaggio struck out only 369 times his entire career. That is wow. over 7,672 plate appearances. That is incredible. He walked 790 times. So he almost walked twice as often as he struck out. Career batting average of 325, a career OPS of 155, and a 79.2 war. All-star every year he played, 13 years, and received MVP votes every single year in his career except for his final one. Wow. I mean, like I said, it's just, I mean, the hitting streak... I, there's just so much to talk about that, you know, it's obviously not something we could do on a on an hour podcast. It would literally be it would need to be a series. Yeah. I, Joe D is uh, one of the absolute icons of the game. Simon and Garfunkel, you know, there you go. name name drop. Him. That's right. Uh, another debut, and this one is very timely for what we're going to talk about today. Today, in 1985, Lenny Dykstra made his major league debut. Ah, uh, Nails. Nails has made his debut. I didn't even know he had a debut. I just thought he always played. You just- <laughs> He just kind of was born in that dirty patch in center field. That's right. I thought he just kind of came out of a hole out there and just started playing. Uh, So Lenny is, as I said, he's a big part of our subject today. He's a founding member, though, of our do not talk about list. So I'm not going to say a whole lot about him other than this. Dykstra attempted to sue former teammate Ron Darling for defamation in 2020. But the case was dismissed when the judge pointed out that Dykstra's documented reputation as being, quote, among other things, racist, misogynistic, anti-gay, as well as a sexual predator, a drug abuser, a thief and an embezzler, end quote. So literally, it sounds like you can say anything you want about nails. And there is no way that anybody can say beyond a reasonable doubt that it isn't true. It sort of sounds like, you know, given what I know about him, I, yeah, that's kind of accurate. I mean, you could say that Lenny Dykstra faked the moon landing and there's a good chance that if he took you to court for that, you would win. (laughs) It's just, he is so unreliable and has been in so many, it's been in just, there's so many things. If you really want to know, go look at his, his wikipedia page there's just so many things that we don't want to talk about because uh, that's just not what we do on this show uh we try to keep it safe for work and lenny dykstra is definitely not safe for work 
But. We talk about, or or I talk about guys that drink themselves to death. Yeah, but that's, not. it's about, that's par for the show. But uh, yes. yeah, Lenny, wow. But we will get to him, though, because this is this is quite a topic we've got here this week. And let's uh, well, let's just let's get into it. Shall we? Uh, I think we're done with BP. Ground screws already done because they're ready to go. This is this is going to be stuck in my head all day, isn't it? Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see at the end because I've got a question at the end of this. As okay. to because there are other Met songs out there, <laughs> but this is the one that we really want to talk about, and I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. I wasn't sure if it was a whole episode or, or maybe it was just a Tales thing. We have talked about it, like I said before, we've even played parts of it. But I've been reading a book called The Bad Guys One, which is all about the 1986 Mets, a team that is really they're really truly bad people on this team. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm becoming obsessed with the 1986 Mets. I don't, there's just something about them. I want to know everything that possibly happened that year. I don't know what that says about me. But regardless, the mid to late 80s was a playground for professional sports teams and I'm and bad. And I'm talking really bad rap. The Chicago Bears were kind of the trailblazers with the Super Bowl shuffle in 1985. There were songs before it, but the Super Bowl shuffle really went mainstream. The song peaked at number 41 on the Billboard Hot 100 and sold over 500,000 copies. It earned a Grammy nomination for the best R&B performance by a duo or group with vocals in 1987. Oh, my. The winner that year, however, was Prince with Kiss. (laughs) I'm going to say the Grammys got that one right. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I'm going to say they knew what they were doing there. Well, there have literally been dozens of football raps recorded since then, but we don't care because we only care about baseball as any normal human being would. But the Bears went on to win the Super Bowl that season. They recorded the Super Bowl shuffle after week 13 of the NFL season where they had a 12-1 and record. The song also helped raise $300,000 for charity. Okay, so we've got a winning wow. team. We've got Grammy nomination, and we've got charity. Now, yeah. enter in 1986 George Foster of the Mets. After finishing the 1985 season three games behind the National League East winning St. Louis Cardinals, the Mets entered 1986 very confident. And I mean very confident. They were cocky. Uh, As I said, scoundrels is really the best way to describe them. (laughs) And in a town where they're kind of the afterthought when the Yankees are always in the front page and they get all the all the coverage, uh, the, the Mets have pretty much crowned themselves World Series champions before the season even started. So, opposed to the Super Bowl shuffle, which, as I said, was recorded near the end of a season that saw the Bears mowing through their opponents, the Mets decided that the day after the 1986 season started, they were going to lay down a wrap. That's beautiful. I mean, it was kind of popular at the time, you know, if you were a, 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 had a team that had enough guys that would make fools of themselves. Yeah, but again, they beat the Pirates on opening day. The next day, they're like, "That's this is it. Let's let's record our rap about how good we are." <laughs> well, they must have seen a lot that game. Yeah, I there's mean- 161 games left in the regular season, but we're going to do this. So, unlike the Bears, though, this venture, which was conceived and led by George Foster, was an attempt to put money in the pockets of those involved 
who are, of course, already well-paid baseball players and a couple of executives, as opposed to charity. So <laughs> in the studio are George Foster, who will not even last the, the rest of the year with the team. Kevin Mitchell, who just a year or two earlier had tried to physically kill Daryl Strawberry with a baseball bat after an altercation on a basketball court. Rib-eating champion and absolutely awesome third baseman Howard Johnson. Dwight Gooden, who's already dealing with his own demons at this point, or to be more specific, his old friends from his neighborhood that he grew up who are definitely not looking out for Doc's best interests. Uh, Rick Aguilera was there. I think he just showed up and probably nobody expecting him, but he was there. Tim Tuffle, because you got to have somebody with the moves like Tim Tuffle, famous for the Tuffle Shuffle. I had forgotten about Tim Tuffle. You can't. The ladies certainly did not forget. Oh, about yeah, I, that's that's my problem right there. Uh, the aforementioned Lenny Dykstra, because he never passed up an opportunity uh, where there was free alcohol, which there was plenty of. <laughs> and of course, to nobody's surprise, you have to have him there. Rafael Santana. I have sure. I have no kind of smart remarks about Rafael Santana. <laughs> Nothing to say. I, I well, wait yeah, till you hear his it? wait till you hear his uh, his verse, and you he didn't have anything to say either. So, but this rap is awful. Just I'm I'm starting it out. This is awful. There are no words here that a second grader wouldn't know how to spell in this entire rap. <laughs> You know, nobody here is going to be confused with Dr. Dre or, you know, if you're listening to Eminem, Rap God, this is not in the same genre or sphere, okay? This material is just, it's bad. Nobody's going to be able to do anything good with this, but especially baseball players that don't know how to rap. Uh, Every verse starts with either my name is, they call me, or blah, 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 is my name. You know, those are like, <laughs> that is how kids in elementary school start every rap ever, right? It's, That's right. I know I did. So I wanted to get into some of these lyrics. So we're going to go through them just one at a time here. So first of all, let's kick it off with the man who brought everybody together. Here is George Foster. I'm George Foster. I love this team. The Mets are better than the rent machine. I live to play, and that's my thing. This year we're gonna win the series ring. Play together, our teams real tight. A mess with us, we're dynamite. Strawman Daryl is all the same. Call him Barry. What's in a name? All right, so Ooh. that's a, I mean, first of all, he's calling out the big red machine, of which he was a part of. Right. That was my first thought. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> And and he's saying that this team that has won nothing, except for their opening day game at this point. But in terms of winning the division, let alone a World Series, they have won nothing since 1969. But he's saying that they're better than the. He's just calling them the Red Machine because you got to take some liberties when you're when you're rapping. Well, you know, you one one beat too many, and it's it's be over. Off and I mean, you look like a fool. Rappers. Right. You know, these guys are dead on with their rap. So. So I don't know if you noticed there, but of course, the entire rap starts out with him saying, I'm George Foster. So there's just one where I am. They got to introduce themselves. Yeah. The big red machine. Nothing compared to this. And uh, I think that's a pretty, pretty bold claim. Now, I have taken the uh, the liberty of rewriting this entire song, by the way. So uh, we're, we've now heard George Foster's lyrics. I didn't have time to see if I could figure out how to just get the beat 
so that I could just, you know, rap to the beat. So I'm just going to say, I'm just going to, this is like a, a poetry slam. There you go. So it, you, if you can snap afterwards as, as applause, that's great. Um, so this is, I've rewritten the verse here for George Foster and I've got this. I'm George Foster. I'm currently on this team. I clearly peaked with the big red machine. Bench clearing brawl, fine ain't my thing. I was an MVP about to win my third World Series ring. <laughs> George Foster. First of all, the Mets paid him a ton of money at the end of his career. He was not good in New York. And as I said, he was released. There was a there was a brawl at one point and both teams, you know, in the middle of the field throwing punches. George Foster sitting with his legs crossed on the bench. Uh, did not did not feel he needed to be involved in the in the uh, the brawl. Said it would be a bad example for kids. Well, okay. As you can imagine, that didn't sit well with his teammates. Who no, you generally are expected to go out there and at least hug somebody. Right, grab a person and say, "Hey, you're not going to fight, are you?" All right. Next, we have got Daryl Strawberry. You kind of heard it there. George Foster introduces Straw. Strawberry's performance here really mirrors his delivery on the uh, Homer at the Bat episode of The Simpsons, which we covered a while ago. And when I when I say that, I mean as in somebody needs to poke him to make sure he's actually alive while he is literally reciting word for word, you know, one word at a time. If you think rap is supposed to be spoken to a beat, I'm just going to warn you, you're really going to hate this song and you're really going to hate uh, Strawberry's lyrics here. Thank you, George. You're a classy guy with your black back. You know we sure rely. You know California is where I'm from. But for New York, I hit home runs. Power and speed, you know we got. We're the beast of the east. When you're hot, you're hot. When Dwight is in the groove, there's no doubt. Next word you'll hear, three strikes, you're out. Oh, that, wow, that was awful. It's not good. <laughs> that was awful. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's not good. Now, as painful as this was from Daryl, it gets he gets better. So a couple years later, he recorded another track because fans were apparently clamoring for more Daryl Strawberry rap. And you can see why. Yeah, you can see why. So he released an album called, uh, maybe it was just a single, I'm not sure. I did not look that much into it. It's called Chocolate Strawberry. <laughs> now, if you Google this, uh, just a warning, you're going to have to wade through a lot of food content before you actually get to the Darrow Strawberry rap. He called in a little help from rapper Richie Rich, who, that's one of my favorite cartoons growing up on Saturday morning. I know Richie this is, Rich. I don't think this is the same Richie Rich. I think this you is. You didn't a, call him? No. <laughs> you didn't call the cartoon guy? Oh. First of all, this is my favorite, my favorite part of the whole chocolate strawberry. My name is Daryl, but you can call me D. My name is Daryl, but you can call me D. I've just looped this for three minutes, so I'm just going to leave this on uh, the whole time. Uh, but uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know how many takes it took or what kind of production magic it took, but Daryl is actually intelligible and uh, somewhat on beat. My name is Daryl. I'm a baseball player. 
There's a little like vanilla ice in there. (laughs) But now, first of all, I got to say player and say do not rhyme. Player and I got to say. (laughs) I picked that out, too. I was like, well, that's a good way to start. And he's not soft. He even gets paid on his days off. Which, yeah, amazing. I mean, okay, Daryl clearly didn't write this, but I mean, you have to admit that is a huge step up from oh, man from his his get mesmerized lyrics. That was uh, obviously very well engineered and cut. All right, so here are my here is my redux of the uh, Daryl Strawberry verse. Here uh, is what I came up with. California is where I'm from, but for New York, L.A., and Frisco, I hit home runs. I was once pitch hit for by Montgomery Burns. My career has more plot twists than as the world turns. Fire. Brilliant. Fire. Pure genius. Now, next up is Dwight Gooden. Daryl introed him a little bit there. Doc's bars are are okay. The delivery is outstanding. If you are a fan of long and winding sentences in your rap, I checked to see, and uh, he mentions the pitches change slider curve and obviously a fastball those are what he threw it wasn't you know i was thinking maybe they just named some pitches no it was accurate to make a rhyme but they they actually put in his uh too bad he didn't throw something like a vulcan change or a gyro ball just to you know see how they handled that but uh nonetheless here let us uh listen to uh, dr k Why's my name? What can I say? You know they call me Dr. K. Change up fastball, slider, and curve. Step up to the plate if you got the nerve. Team's real hot. Stand up proud. Do the wave. What? Shout out loud. Get mesmerized. Get mesmerized. Now, I'm not for... We are anti-wave here so we're gonna yeah. <laughs> say no to that but you know it's it's better than than strawberry but still not not great <laughs> all right so now uh here is the rewritten verse that i've written for for doc's time on the mic here dwight's my name but they call me dr k one time in 96 i kept all the mariners bats at bay rookie of the year then a cy young try to swing at my fastball you'll get rung son now that i think those are i have got i want to produce this man and i think i might have a second career in baseball rap you know what, man? It's ending up. I mean, I'm liking it so far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So Doc passes it on to our our debut boy here, Lenny Dykstra. The only thing I want to say about Nails verse is that he actually says something in what can only be described as a fit of self-realization that clearly he did not realize. He finishes his verse by saying, quote, it's a wonder I'm still alive. <laughs> uh, here is uh, here's Lenny on the mic. I love to run down long fly balls. I catch them all. Ain't afraid of no wall. I bunt, I run, and then I dive. It's a wonder. I'm still alive. Yes, it is. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, here is my take on the Lenny Dykstra verse. 
I gave him six lines. I had more. I just, I felt I needed to stop here on Lenny, but here we go. They got me for bankruptcy, fraud, even GTA. Six and a half months in prison to keep my creditors at bay. Me and Backman were called partners in grime, putting whole cans of chew in my mouth one at a time. All the hairball money schemes I've contrived, it's a really a wonder I'm still alive. <laughs> oh, man, very dead on accurate. <laughs> this is, I can't tell you how much fun I had doing this, too. <laughs> uh, something I did learn about Lenny Dexter I did not know. His son, Cutter, was drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers in 2008, but Cutter has two sons with actress Jamie Lynn Sigler. Really? Who was apparently on The Sopranos, a show of which I have never seen an episode of, which I know will get me roasted. She, she was also in Entourage for a couple seasons. Well, I know she's also on uh, on a show that I watch, Big Sky, I think is what it's called. Hmm. Uh, I mean, she's still working. No, I got nothing against her. I just never watched The Sopranos, but... So now comes the fun stuff. Here comes Raphael Santana, who was given the most generic lines in the entire rap. Swap out the position that he's going to mention, and Danny Heat could very well have said these same lines. <laughs> Raphael Santana is my name. Playing shortstop is my game. I'm a cool glove man. I'm real smooth. Been mesmerized to see the group. Pinch real hot. When I introduced him, uh, you know, when I was going down the list of who's on this earlier, I said, I don't really have a comment for Raphael. These lines literally feel like they were written after everybody showed up and they're like, oh, snap, Santana's here, too. So they like <laughs> threw something together as quick as possible. That being said, he is clearly my second favorite verse on this entire song. I didn't do a Raphael Santana remix. I, I, I didn't think I could improve on that. I That's mean, perfect the way it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Raphael Santana. All right, next up, Rick Aguilera. Not somebody who I would have expected to be roped into this whole thing, but here he is. I got to say, I think he's got the best line here in the entire song. All right. Uh, I'm not, I'll, I'll let you listen to it here in a, in a, well, here, let's just, let's go ahead and just listen to Aguilera first, and then we can talk about it. When they want to bat it, filled with terror, they call on me, Rick Aguilera. Slider's hot, I'm on the mound. Control, I'm mowing down. They want a batter filled with terror. They call on me, Rick Aguilera. That is a good line. No, that I, I, I agree. That was solid. That was, and his delivery was okay too. For somebody yeah. that I would, he'd be like one of the last guys I'd expect to be in on this. <laughs> no doubt. But uh, this self-assurance may have fueled Rick when he was arrested later this year, along with Tim Tuffle, after refusing to leave Cooter's Executive Games and Burgers after a last call and had a tussle with law enforcement, an affair that was dubbed by the New York press as Cooter's Gate. <laughs> nice name. <laughs> yeah. Now, in that, uh, I'll get to it in because t- uh, Tuffle's up next year, but Tim Tuffle actually, like, choked a cop. Well, he was being arrested. All right. Not a good idea. No. But before we get to that, let's uh, next up to the mic is Kevin Mitchell. I'm Kevin Mitchell, seasoned rook, studying all the moves. I'm ready to cook. I got it together. I'm ready to play. I'm up in the bigs and I'm hoping to stay. Okay, so Kevin Mitchell, also on our Do Not Talk About list, he came uh, from a rough childhood. He's a He is a hard dude. Usually just the kind of on the edge of being in control. But these lyrics about being being a rookie and hope he doesn't get sent back down to the minors. 
it's not really very braggadocious, <laughs> if you ask me. The other guys are, yeah, when you when you need a strikeout, call me when I hit home runs. And, you know, I sure hope I get to stay in the big leagues. Yeah, yeah. I sure hope I get to stay here and don't have to go to Tidewater again. Uh, all right. So I had to, uh, I did come up with some, I, I didn't do Rick Aguilera because, as I said, I think he's got the best verse in this entire Song, so I, I didn't mess with that, but I did come up with some Kevin Mitchell uh, lyrics. So I'm very proud of this one, especially. All, All right. right, I'm Kevin Mitchell. What's up, y'all? I made a barehanded catch because I overran the ball. Some call me world, some call me boogie bear. I scored the tying run in game six right before Buckner's air. Ooh, Again, these not are bad. I I am so darn proud of this stuff. I'm I I really. I need to get in the studio immediately, I think. All right, so now uh, it's our boy, Tim Tuffle. So let's go ahead and listen to the uh, the uh, owner of the shuffle right here. I'm Tim Tuffle. Let me begin by saying I was once a twin. I made the move. It feels just right. I've been mesmerized. I see the light. <laughs> so again, he starts out by introducing himself. I'm Tim Tuffle. <laughs> Every one of them does that. Now, he says he used to be a twin, but now he isn't. So... I don't understand. Did he kill his twin? I'm confused because if he was a twin and now he is not, that implies that his twin is no longer alive. Yeah. He may not have meant an actual twin. I'm just saying. Oh yeah. Just a suggestion. Oh, oh the Minnesota twins. There's, oh. well, there's them too. Okay. Now it's all, it's all. <laughs> oh man, glad I could straighten that out. Yeah, thank you for that. As we mentioned earlier, probably best known for his batting stance, which was dubbed the Tuffle Shuffle, in which he wiggled his buttocks back and forth before the pitcher's delivery, driving the women of all ages to fan themselves lest they faint in the stands. Is not to be confused with the truffle shuffle by Chunk in the Goonies. I've seen. I, I think we talked about this like a like a year and a half ago. I finally saw the Goonies. <laughs> you saw the Goonies for the first I don't time. Talking about it. yeah, good show, huh? It was a movie. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> I did uh, go ahead and uh, rewrote some lyrics here for Tim Tuffle. So, and I'm going to start out the same way he and Kevin Mitchell did. I'm Tim Tuffle. I can play almost anywhere. I once strangled a cop at Cooters on a dare. When I get in the box, the ladies all swoon just with a little wiggle of my fruit of a loom. <laughs> all right. Possibly saving the best for last. A guy that just exudes hip hop energy. Howard Johnson brings it home. Now, my problem with Hojo's lines is that he is fresh off of being named co-champion of the Pro Athletes Rib Eating Contest, a, a title he shared with Dickie Thawne from 1985. So just the year prior, how in a rap that is all about boasting how great you are, is this not mentioned? How? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, seriously, if you're going to if you're going to like put your career out there. Wouldn't you mention the highlights? <laughs> I don't know how they did not do this, but I have rectified the situation with my Hojo-verse. So here's what I got. My name is Hojo. I'm here to say, put a plate of ribs in front of me, I'll put them away. I hit with pop from both sides of the plate. Hey, I wasn't even involved in Cootergate. <laughs> there, he's distancing himself from, you know, some a bad situation, but also mentioning some of his, the good stuff that he did. Did, yes. Oh, we didn't listen to Hojo, did we? 
We didn't, not yet. Oh, see, you can't judge my lyrics first. All right, well, here's Hojo's. Here's Hojo's first. My name is Hojo. I'm here to say our team is going all the way. With pitching, power, speed, and style. Results guaranteed to make you smile. All right. Now I am going to just, I, you know, I don't want to be braggadocious, but I think my, my lyric was much better than his. Yeah. I, I'm going to vote with you on that one as well. <laughs> All right. So after that, it's just a lot of chorus and going back and forth. Now you mentioned about this chorus, you know, who are they? And I found some information on them. Now it kind of gets lost in the lyrical goodness from the players, but the chorus, you would think, yeah, I mean, this is a, a pretty professional production there they've got going on here. You would think that the background singers would be people, you know, in the business, professional background singers. Well, you would, of course, be wrong. One is uh, Daryl Strawberry's wife at the time. Uh, the rest are kids off the street, literally. The okay. producers went out the front door of the studio. There were some kids there. They asked them if they wanted some candy. Uh, well, pretty close. Apparently, the producers asked the kids, hey, are you Mets fans? They said yes. The producers then said, do you want to see the inside of a record studio? That is a quote. The kids went with them. Now, this is 1986. This is fresh off of different strokes where Arnold gets in trouble with the bike shop owner because he just follows the adult who says, hey, do you want candy? You want this? Don't go with strangers, kids. No, nah, nobody watched that or the right people didn't watch that. I watched it. I didn't. I See, I was never lured into a record studio with the 1986 Mets. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have or not. I, <laughs> you might, my, you might have suppressed that one. But, I get confused, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this song is going gold, right? There is no there is no doubt about this song is going to hit it big. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> you should count. I, like, I, I paused a second because I'm thinking, is he talking about this song? Yeah, oh, okay. I was looking for some affirmation there. I got it eventually. Yes, well, it's brilliant. The Mets front office were not such big fans of this so oh, somehow really? or another. Beyond being so braggadocious, not even a month into the season, this was not really something the team wanted to be associated with, so they sat on it. They did not allow the re release of this song until April, a time at which George Foster was no, he, he wasn't even with the team anymore at this point. <laughs> so the guy who leads off the song, put it all together, he's gone. They printed a thousand copies initially of this song. They sold 120. Now... <laughs> I know I went to a Pac-10, Pac-12 school. That seems to me to be a very small percent of 1,000. Hit me up yeah. if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. I don't think that qualifies as a gold record. I think it's more in the birch or aluminum category. <laughs> <laughs> if they hand those out, I'm not what, sure. What is a tin record? <laughs> <laughs> tin. Well, it, probably better than this is what I'm saying. It means your mom bought it, yes. I think, at least. yeah. So the Mets had something even better than this, which was another good reason to sit on this song. They had a little song called Let's Go Mets. We got the okay. teamwork to make the dream work. Let's go. Let's go Mets. We're going to make it this time. We're going to take it home. Let's go. Let's go Mets. Do it. So this song was played throughout the Mets run in the 86 playoffs and, you know, all okay. the way into their World Series win. 
I am not sure if they still use this today, but I am very familiar with this song. And I love this song. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Really? This is what I've been singing the last couple of days is this song as opposed to as opposed to, you know, get mesmerized. <laughs> Just I, I really like it. I, I, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd like to know what our, what our listeners think, which one which one they prefer. They're both, you know, quality songs. Uh, quality. The video for Let's Go Mets features a guest appearance by Joe Piscopo, even though in the video, the team ends up beating him up. <laughs> like I said, this is a team of scoundrels. Uh, but that's just another strike against get mesmerized. This thing was doomed from the start. Uh, Doc Gooden is in both of these songs, though. And I can just imagine him thinking, man, you know, I'm still pretty, pretty uh, new to the big leagues here. Just a couple of years. I'm going to have to be doing music videos and recording songs three, four times a year for the rest of my career, because that's what it seems like. It just in 1986. This really was the golden age of baseball-centric rap. Obviously, this is all spurred on by the one and only Brett Saberhagen, whose Ford commercial debuted the year before and sent a buzz throughout both the music and baseball world. Everybody wanted to copy that. The same season here, 1986, the Dodgers dropped their stairway to heaven with their baseball boogie, which we've covered before briefly. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It might might be a future episode at this point now. The next season, Senor Smoke, Juan Berenguer, took the music world by storm with his tour de force and show favorite, the Berenguer Boogie. Mm-hmm. That is always a favorite here. Uh, by the way, the son of one of the producers of this song is the guy who created the viral video from a couple of years ago entitled Honey Badger Don't Care. Really? Yes. I know that one. <laughs> I think everybody knows that. I mean, Honey Badger don't care. That was that was as popular as a viral video can get for a little bit. Oh yeah. That is the son of a producer of Get Metsmerized. So the the, the things you figure out, Jeff. I mean, where else are you gonna find that but on this show? I tell you, I had so much fun reading and redoing this rap and just listening to these stories. <laughs> But uh, that is uh, that is the story of Get Metsmerized from 1986. I got to give you kudos for really, uh, really giving us all the information on that one, man. That was uh, more than I ever wanted to know about that song. I'm not sure there is any more information out there that I <laughs> provided. I know it regardless. <laughs> all right. So uh, that's going to wrap up the uh Metsmerized segment of the show. It is now time to get into everybody's favorite cardboard and wax based 1v1 gladiatorial combat simulation. Because we, we're not going to hurt each other. It is time for wax passers. Mark, uh, we played an exhibition game last week. We uh, incorporated some new rules after you won your third consecutive title. How do you feel? Are, are you ready to jump in with these new rules? Do you need another week to acclimate? What uh, What are your thoughts? Uh, I think I think we need one more week of spring training. One to more be week. perfectly right. honest. Well, yeah. you won already. You you won the exhibition game even. So uh, all right, uh, I have got. Uh, I decided because I knew we were going to go along with uh, getting mesmerized here. We're going to run with our uh, 2008 upper deck because there's only eight cards in each of these. So it okay. should be relatively quick. I do need a team from you who are you're going to be staking your claim on this week. 
for some reason, I've got the Mets on my mind, so I'm going to go with the Mets. <laughs> well, that's who I was going to pick, but uh, let's Uh-oh. see. You know what I'm going to do? Because, uh, I mean, really, this podcast has two official themes. One is the Brett Saberhagen rap, and the other is uh, Juan Berenguer's Berenguer Boogie. So I feel like I need to go with either the Royals or the Twins. I'm going to go with the Twins. That's a good one. I'm going to get Metsmerized. Also, because, you know, I think apparently Tim Tuffle was on the Mets, or was on the <laughs> Twins, I'm sorry. And well, he did not, in fact, have a twin that he killed. It was just, it was a different thing. All right. So okay, uh, new rules here in case you forgot, and I haven't recorded a new open yet. Anything on the face, eye black, sunglasses, science teacher glasses, fake mustache and cigar with a funny nose, anything like that, uh, you can get extra tenth of a point. That includes mustaches. We brought that back. If you've got a good one, we'll give you an extra tenth. Uh, real stirrups, you're going to get a tenth of a point. Bonus, two and ones, minus a tenth of a point. Likewise, with sweatbands, with your caricature, your jersey number on it, that's a tenth of a point. Awards, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, All-Star, Gold Glove. Those are all worth a half a point each. We each pick a team. That's worth half a point. Mets and Twins for this week. Hall of Fame. If they are in the Hall of Fame, you get an extra point. Two flaps on the batting helmet or no flaps. That's going to get you an extra tenth of a point. If you are batting without batting gloves, that's an extra tenth of a point. If either Ricky or Nolan show up, I get five points for Ricky regardless of who has it. Mark, you get uh, five for Nolan. We did have somebody point out that most of the cards we open, uh, Nolan Ryan has retired. As is the case, well, Ricky's yes. 2008, Ricky's retired too, so that won't affect us here, but uh, to that, I say, I don't care, Mark has won three times in a row. So. <laughs> well, they still make Nolan Ryan cards, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm a, I'm a current collector, and it's like, let's see who's on the uh, checklist, oh, Nolan Ryan still, he sells cards. All right, and then if they played any of their final three seasons in Seattle, you get a tenth of a point for each season, because that's where old players go to die. Mark, I got two, uh, two uh, 2008 upper deck here in my left hand, my right hand. Which one would you like? I'm going to go with the right. Right. All right. I'm going to have you go first. I don't know why I like to I like to lose, uh, you know. Slowly or you I like guess it's better than, than you beating me after three cards and you going second and then we're just playing out the string. So, all right. So you are going to start out. You're going to start out with... Uh, we, we already mentioned some of the founders of our Do Not Talk About list. This is the king of our Do Not Talk About list. Here with the Red Sox, it's Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling, the man can pitch. What can I say? <laughs> the man can pitch. The man cannot produce a video game or pay his uh, designers that did so. All right. Kurt Schilling, let's see, 20 years. That is a wow. long, long career. Yes, it is. Uh, let's see. What are We're 2008. Well, good for me. Uh, Kurt Schilling's final year in the big leagues was 2007. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fun. And uh, he is certainly not in the Hall of Fame. And there's nothing on this card that is going to help you out. Uh, In his 20 years in baseball, a 216-146 record, a 346 overall ERA. That's good for a 127 ERA+. plus. Kurt Schilling won three World Series. He was a World Series MVP and a six-time All-Star. Never won a Cy Young. He came in second three out of four years. Wow. While he was in Arizona in his first year in Boston. That is going to get you absolutely nothing. I like it. Yeah, that was great. That's a good start. (laughs) All right. Next, you have got, I like this guy. I remember this guy from the uh, Cleveland Guardians. It's Jahani Peralta. Oh, Jahani. Yes. Yes. Jahani Peralta. 
for those of you that don't can't visually see what we're talking about, instead of J-O-H-N-N-Y, he spells it J-H-O-N-N-Y. I'm going to assume that's a Latin thing. He is from the DR. Yes. Uh, Johnny Peralta. Let's see. 15, he spent 15 years in the big leagues. I, wow. I would have said like eight. Right. <laughs> I don't know why eight, but uh, he came up with Cleveland. That's where he is with this card. He also uh, spent four years in Detroit and four years in St. Louis. 2008, he hit 276. Not too bad. 23 home runs, 89 RBI. Struck out a lot, 331 on base, a 113 OPS plus, and all of that equals a 3.6. That is not bad. I'll take that. Uh, let's see. There is absolutely nothing on this card that's going to help you out, though. He's got ear flaps, nothing on his face, no sweatbands with his name or anything on it, but uh, 3.6 is not bad. So we mentioned his his spelling. I said it's probably a Latin thing. It is obviously in the United States. We're used to spelling it J-O-H. N-N-Y or N-N-I-E. Well, he is quoted here as telling the Santa Domingo Times that his spelling is right and anybody that spells it any other way in the entire world is wrong. Well, at least he's open-minded. Yeah, that uh, there's a subreddit called Confidently Incorrect, which I think Mr. Peralta would be a good member of. All right, you're at 3.6. Next, we have got Mariner Legend. Uh-oh. I don't know. I think he went on to... I'm not sure his last three years were in Seattle, but we'll see. It's Shone Figgins. Oh, there's nothing tastier than some Figgins, let me tell you. I believe he liked uh, upside down pineapple cake for a, a snack, if I'm not sure? mistaken. I thought that was Ichiro. <laughs> well, I think it was a lot of players. Oh, okay. Shone Figgins. Now, I mentioned that because if you were, I mean, Mark, you're a West guy like me. Yep. With the Angels, this guy was so pesky. He could play anywhere. He could hit well. He could run. He stole 62 bases in 2005. He was just, he was a well-rounded player that could play a lot of positions. And then uh, the Mariners signed him as a free agent to a big contract, and he could not do anything. No, it, it was a big contract, too. It was like $36 million. Yeah, I mean, he was just such a huge flop. He played for 12 years in the big leagues. You're going to like this. Uh, In 2014, his final year, he played in L.A., but three of his last four years were in Seattle. So you're going to get two-tenths of a point for those last two that he played in Seattle. That's nice. Let's see. 2008 was uh, he was still in L.A. He had 276, 22 RBI. Wow. He played in 116 games and he only knocked in 22 Man, you think you'd like get walked in a run 22 times for yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's a, he's a leadoff guy, but that still is very low. A 367 on base and 83 OPS plus. That still equals a 2.3 war. Okay. Let's see here. He does have sunglasses on. There's, a, there's something. It looks uh, it looks like he's got a goatee too. So I'll, I'll give you that. So you've got the Mariner bonus and the sunglasses and goatee. So that's a 0.4. So that's a 2.7. All right. Way to go, Sean. All right. So you're at 6.3. Your next card is a pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, Derek Turnbow. Remember the name, but nothing else. Yeah, I remember the name, too. I don't remember if he was coming out of the pen or if he was a starter. Um, Let's see. He was definitely coming out of the pen. It looks like he was the Brewers' closer in 2005 and 2006. 2008 was his final year in the big leagues, a seven-year career. He only appeared in eight games with a 15.63 ERA and an 0-1 record. 
a 28 ERA plus. I like where this is headed. <laughs> and that is good for a minus 0.7 war. He is literally wearing pajamas. Uh, <laughs> he does have a goatee, however. So you're going to get, only, it's only a minus 0.6. But I, I mean, we joke about Manny Ramirez and how baggy his jersey was. Yeah. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, his PJs on? he looks like he is bigger than CC uh, Sabathia just because, I mean, he's 6'3", 195. He is a tall, skinny guy. And he has got his jersey and his pants are flying everywhere. He's going to trip during his uh, during his motion here. He didn't play for the Mariners, I don't think. No, he did not. All right. So moving on. Next, we have got another angel. One of us really should have picked the angels. Uh, yeah. We would have really been helping ourselves. Here he is. Uh, I know a lot of people respected the heck out of this guy. This guy always bugged me because I felt like he was too much of a gatekeeper of the old school. It's Tory Hunter. Oh. 19 years in the big leagues, Tory Hunter. Uh, most of it with the Twins, 12 years, five years with the Angels, and then two with the Tigers. In 2008, it's sandwiched between a couple of all-star years. He did win the gold glove this year, so you got that going for you. He hit 278, a 344 on base, 21 home runs, 78 RBI, and a 111 OPS plus, and that equals 3.9 plus the gold glove, so that'll get you four, and nothing else on this card is going to help you out. Tory Hunter, one of the absolute best defensive players I've ever seen. Yeah, he was uh, he was always very good with the glove. Let's see, overall, a first-round pick by the Twins in 1993. Five-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glove winner, nicknamed Spider-Man. Climbing walls, I get it. Yeah. So Tory spells his name with two I's at the end. Yes. Which is a word in Japanese. Um, but he jokes that he thinks his mom filled out the paperwork after he was born and just accidentally put the extra eye on. There. <laughs> <laughs> so between him and Jahani, <laughs> yes. we've got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, spellings. We've got an extra H and an extra I. Hi. Yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. Uh, you're at nine point seven. Next, we've got a Minnesota twin. That hey, is my team. Go. So that's going to help me out. Adam Everett. Didn't I think he was a angel, a good or no, a cardinal. Isn't that? Is this who I'm thinking of? I guess we'll find um, out. I know he played for the Astros at some point. An Astro. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of, clearly. Let's see. Adam Everett. He played for 11 years. Houston, Detroit, Minnesota, and Cleveland. So I got him just in the nick of time here with Minnesota. Only one year there. 48 games, 213 average, 278 on base, a 62 OPS plus, And that is a .2 war. Now, or, uh, yeah, point two war. He does have eye black on here, so you're going to get helped out there. It'll be a point three for you, and it's point three more than Kurt Schilling got me by not playing or and not being in the Hall of Fame. All right, I uh, like this. Next, you've got a pitcher, a rookie for the Minnesota Twins. Oh. It is Brian. Don't call me Kevin Bass. Brian Bass. Yeah, this is a rated. Uh, well, not a rated, but it's 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 highlighted that he is a rookie. I, I have no recollection. Whether or not he spent any time in the big leagues or not uh, is yet to be seen. Well, he spent three years. Three years in the big leagues, 101 games. He had four, uh, yeah, four starts overall, mainly came out of the pen. In 2008, he split time between Minnesota and Baltimore, ended up with a 4-4 four and four record, a 4.84 ERA, 89 in the third innings, 45 strikeouts, 88 ERA plus, and all of that equals a minus- Point two. Great. 
and there is nothing on this card that's going to help you out. You know, I'm thinking I'm glad that I wanted this to be an exhibition. Yeah, we might retroactively make this game one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you are down to your final card. Now, this is a good card. One of my favorite shortstops. You know, we talk a lot about guys that did steroids. This guy definitely did. (laughs) Uh, Came up with the Oakland Athletics. It is Miguel Tejada. Well, steroids or not, that guy could hit. Yeah, he was, I really enjoyed him when he was on the A's. One of those guys that became a superstar and then went on. Uh, Let's see, Miggy, 16 years in the big leagues, seven with Oakland, five with Baltimore, then Houston, Casey, San Diego, and San Francisco. 2008, good news for you, he was an all-star with the Astros. 158 games he appeared in, hit 283, 13 home runs, 66 RBI, 314 on base, a 92 OPS plus, and all of that equals a 1.9, so that'll be a 2.4. He has got sunglasses on here, so that's 2.5. He has got the really high socks on, but there is no arch. Oh, rip off. I can see no sanitaries. So, unfortunately Mm -hmm. for you, you do not get the real stirrups uh, bonus there. Uh, Nicknamed La Guiaga which means the bus in some Spanish dialects, uh, because he was known for his ability to drive in runs. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I even think you would call him the bus driver <laughs> instead of the bus. I see where it was going. I, I'll, I will accept this. So interesting about Tejada, he had lied about his age, his like whole career, I believe. Yeah, I remember that. He was one of the first guys that kind of got called out for, for falsifying that he was, he was saying he was younger than he was, right? Right. He was saying he was born in 76 when he was actually born in 74. All right, sir. So you've got a 12.3. Okay. That, I, I want to say, is not a great total. Whenever I say that, I end up getting like a nine. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Here we go. We'll open up my package. Let's see here. Starting out. Oh, boy. I've got This guy came up with Atlanta when I was there. He is. He played everywhere. Played for the the Cubs. I think he played for the Rangers as well. He is now on the MLB Network. His nickname, I know, is Hollywood. It is Mark DeRosa, also known as Dero. Mark DeRosa. He um for some reason I I remember him as a, a Ranger maybe. In his 16 years in the big leagues, Atlanta, San Francisco, Texas, Cubs, St. Louis, Cleveland, Washington, and Toronto. Wow. And uh, he played. You know, geographically, he played everywhere, but also on the diamond, he played everywhere. I don't okay. see I don't see a catcher. And, you know, there are no pitching stats, which is weird, because if he was playing today, I guarantee you he would come in in a blowout. Oh, yeah. He is exactly that type of guy. 2008 with the Cubs appeared in 149 games, hit 285, 376 on base, 21 home runs, not bad, 87 RBI, 117 OPS plus, and all of that is going to get me a 1.8. Oh, he definitely has sunglasses on, so that'll get me a 1.9, but that is going to be it. I'm on 1.9 ahead of where you were. This is a good point, After yes. your uh, first card. Uh, you know, beyond being at the MLB Network, uh, I like this. He, uh, bon Jovi is listed as one of his favorite bands. Oh, there you uh, go. Just a random fact that has nothing to do with anything else on his page. Just, hey, Bon Jovi's listed as one of his favorite bands. So <laughs> he really wanted that to be 
<laughs> All right, yet. next I have got, so I'm at 1.9. My second card is, uh, you know, probably a guy that could go into the uh, Two Strike Noise Hall of Fame for having to go on the DL with an injury he suffered from playing too much rock band and hurt his hand. It is Joel Zumaya of the Tigers. I used to play rock band all the time. I did too, but not to the point where I hurt myself. Well, it's, you know, I was probably just better. <laughs> I remember Joel Zumaya was one of the the first guys that was consistently hitting 100 out of the bullpen. Yeah, he uh, yeah he could throw it multiple times. Yeah, he was, he had an arm. He was going to be the closer. He was, I mean, they were very, very high on him. Only played five years, retired at the age of 25. Wow. One save every single year of his career. <laughs> 2008, uh, let's see, 21 games, 0-2, a 3.47 ERA. 23 innings pitched, 22 strikeouts for a 130 ERA plus. And all of that is a war of 0.1. Uh, the good news for me, though, is he's got sunglasses and a goatee. So that will at least bring me up to a 0.3. 23 is, you know, respectable. Okay, no, it's not. Never mind. Well, it's, again, better than Kurt Schilling's 2008. I, I think we've talked about this before. It, when Guitar Hero, it, was, it wasn't it was Rock Band. It was just Guitar Hero. Uh, my, my bad. But when Guitar Hero 2 came out, there was a, uh, in the opening credits, it said, no pitchers were harmed in the making of this game, except one, Joel That's Zamaya. Great. He had it coming. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's see. I also had Tommy John surgery, which obviously slowed him down as well. But just uh, one of those guys had a very promising career, but just it was derailed because of video games. All right. Next, we have got a guy that uh, is married to somebody that is much more famous than he is with uh, the Florida Marlins here. It's Matt Trainer. T-R-A-Y-N-O-R. Matt Trainer. Uh, let's see, husband of multi-gold medal winning Missy May trainer. Nine years in the big leagues for Matt, uh, most of it with Florida, five, then Texas, Kansas City, the Dodgers, and Detroit, 2008 with Florida. He was a backup catcher his entire career. He only hit 238, 23 RBI, 60 OPS plus, and a .3 war. Nothing on this card is going to help me out. Oh, wait, no, you know what? He is uh, wearing an old-fashioned no-flap helmet turned around under his catcher's gear. Ah, there you go. So that is going to get me a tenth of a point. I love that rule. Not just because I got it there, but I love no-flap helmets. I don't know why I do so much. Well, as you said, he married uh, beach volleyball star Misty May. They met at a sports therapy facility. (laughs) Maybe they were both injured, kindred spirits, you know. The, the first person that comes to mind when you say that kind of, you know, spouse more famous than the baseball player is uh, maybe 86 Met member Ray Knight and Nancy Lopez. Oh, sure. Uh, I was re- in the book I was I'm reading right now about him. He used to get teased in the locker room about making less than his wife. And that really bothered him. Very, really? very fragile Man, ego. Apparently, I'd be very proud. I'd be proud. Like, yeah, sugar mama. All right, next, you have got a member of the New York Metropolitans, your team. It is, and this is, I think this is a guy that Mets fans uh, is kind of a cult favorite, Andy Chavez. Oh, yeah. I used to love Andy Chavez. You bet. Didn't he, he either hit or robbed a, a home run in uh, in the playoffs. He did something in the playoffs with center field wall. I don't remember what. It was it, him and a wall and probably something. a baseball. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It might have been the Subway Series. I don't remember. We'll find out here in a minute. 
I'm going to like this. Uh, so I'm going to get the, the, the minus because he's on your team. Ah. But he played two of his last three seasons with the Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. So that'll take a little bit of a chunk out of that. In 2008, he was still with the Mets, 133 games, 267 average, 12 RBI, 308 on base, a 70 OPS plus. That is still good for a .8 war. I'm going to minus the 0.5 for being on the Mets and then add two for the Mariners. So it will be a 0.5 in the right direction for me. Chavez's catch, game seven of the 2006 NLCS. That's what I'm thinking of. Leaped above Shea's eight-foot wall in left field to rob a two-run home run and preserve a sixth-inning tie with the Cardinals. Very nice. I knew it was, I knew it was something in the playoffs and... Some sort of wall. There you go. You were absolutely right. <laughs> Once again, I am uh, undefeated. There right. you go, Kristen. Moving on, uh, we have got a pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, Scott Linebrink. Again, I remember the name. Yep, I Didn't definitely remember the him. name. Couldn't tell you a team he pitched for. I would just be, you know, throwing darts at a, at a yeah, me too. big list. He did play for quite a few teams in 12 years, San Diego, Houston, White Sox, San Francisco, Atlanta, and Milwaukee. 2008. He was with the White Sox the entire year, went 2-2 two and two with a 3.69 ERA in 50 games. That's pretty good. Wow. 46 innings, 40 strikeouts, a 186 OPS plus, and that equals a war of 1.0. Uh, he does have a goatee, so that'll get me an extra tenth of a point, so that'll be a plus 1.1. But again, these are just singles. I, I'm not... I'm not stringing together, you know, anything with a with a three-run bomb put in between. Sure. All right, so I'm at 4.2. I've got uh, three cards left here, one of which, oh, boy. This guy, I don't think he's, well, no, he is on our do not talk about list. This guy, I'm pretty sure, spent time in prison for domestic abuse. It is uh, Milton Bradley. Yeah, he was a Mariner for a while. Yep, he was an athletic for a while either. Uh, also, I guess, not either. If I can digress here, I remember living in Seattle working uh, at the Mariners, a friend came in from out of town, wanted to take the tour of the stadium. We did so. We were the only members on the tour. And <laughs> as I've mentioned, I love working in baseball stadiums and hearing tour guides because most of what they tell you they're making up. I'm sure there are some great tour guides, but I have heard so many just outright lies. <laughs> and so we're in the, the Mariners locker room and the guy is talking to us because it was just us. And he goes, oh, Milton Bradley's on the team this year. And I said, oh, good luck with that. He's a poison. <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm an A's fan. Uh, I was not happy when he signed there. He caused trouble in the clubhouse there. And he goes, you know what? We have a history here of the Mariners bringing in guys like that and getting them under control. And I said, yeah, you sure do. And uh, what happened? Milton Bradley imploded and did not last. Oh, uh, gosh, I remember him imploding. Yeah. I mean, he when he gets ejected, he gets ejected. Oh, yeah. He was arguing balls and strikes and quite vehemently. And he got tossed, and that was like what kind of started the whole. Yeah, he's going to get released soon. Now, was was he the guy that injured himself at first base arguing uh, a call? Was that was that not Milton that I Bradley? Well, we'll find out here in a minute. Uh, I do like this. His final two years were in Seattle, okay. seventy three and twenty eight games each. So you, I mean, he just and he was awful. Yeah. Two thousand and eight. Oh, I like it. All star. His only all star year with the Texas Rangers. Uh, came in 17th in MVP voting. This might work for me. Hit 321, 22 home runs, 77 RBI, 
You know, he actually didn't strike out that much for somebody that you think of as being kind of a free swinger. Led the league in on-base percentage with 437 and led the league in the OPS plus category with a 162. All of this equals a 5.2 plus the all-star. So that's 5.7. And he's got a mustache. So that's a 5.8. This is the the most happy I've ever been with Milton Bradley. Yeah, no doubt about it. He was actually convicted on nine counts of physically attacking and threatening his wife. Yeah, that he is. What a uh, guy. Let me make sure here. I'm going to go to our do not talk about list. And yeah, he's not on here. I, I mentioned that he should be. And we're going to go ahead and put him right there. It's going over the counts that he was charged with. And, you know, they're all bad. But one of them is vandalism. <laughs> the world? Well, I mean, he stunk up most teams he played with. So I, I guess... A foul smell in the clubhouse could be. Yeah. I remember he came up with Montreal, though. One of those, you know, one of those guys aren't any more that came up with the Expos. Yeah. Uh, let's see. A fan threw a bottle at him in Colorado. Probably well-deserved, but don't do that. No, don't do that. So here it is. So with the Padres, he was uh, being restrained by a uh, manager, Bud Black, and tore his ACL Well arguing with uh, first base umpire Mike Winters. That's a terrible injury. <laughs> In- injury, cause, arguing with umpire. That's messed up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, his page is just, his page looks like Lenny Dykstra's, if you're wondering what it looks like. They don't put up the actual mug shots on the page I'm looking at. No, I mean, you know, listen, we don't know what's going on in his private life. But uh, yeah, just not a not a good person, it doesn't seem. Uh, all right, we're going to move on from him. Next, we have got, oh, this is a World Series highlight for, I, I, I like this guy. Even when he was on the Red Sox and the Yankees, uh, also on the Marlins, it's Mike Lowell. Mike Lowell. Mike Lowell, let's see, came up with the Yankees, played one year. For some reason, I rem- he appeared in eight games in 1998 for the Yankees. And for some reason, when I picture him, I picture him in Yankee pinstripes first off. Eight games, yeah, I, and that's what I do. That's hilarious. I do that with some players too, though. It's, it's like odd. Uh, he was then traded to Florida and then ended up in Boston 2008. Uh, 274 average, 27, uh, I'm sorry, 17 home runs, 73 RBI, 338 on base, a 104 OPS plus, and all of that equals a 2.4. He does have a uh, goatee, so that'll be a plus 2.5 for me. And with that, I am now two-tenths of a point ahead of you with one card left. Mike Lowell, it's an interesting note on his page. He appeared on the ballot for the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum 2016 election and earned no votes. Why would it say that? I earned no votes too. <laughs> yeah, I, I... yeah, but he appeared at least. I mean, it, it's kind of, you know, it's an honor just to be nominated. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, like I said, I got a two tenths of a point lead with one card left. This player is not on the Mets. So, that's good news for me. He is a rookie here, and I have not heard of him. So I'm just hoping to hold on to my two-tenths of a point. It is a rookie catcher for the San Francisco Giants, Steve Holm, H-O-L-M. Steve Holm, three years in the big leagues. 2008 was his rookie year, the only year that he played in more than six games. He appeared in 49 games. He hit a respectable 262. 
Had one home run, six RBI, and 99 OPS plus. I think I'm going to be okay. I think so. Oh, uh, <laughs> war minus point two. What? <laughs> oh, but he's got a goatee. He's got oh. a goatee. Oh. By the, <laughs> the hair ball of squirts his through Butner's chin. legs. <laughs> won by the hair of his chinny chin chin. Wow. That is, uh, now see, that's the kind of excitement that we expect every week here on Wags Packs That's right. Pull out the, the goatee bonus point for the big W. Yeah, wow. Uh, nothing else really to talk about here about Steve Holm, but uh, he did, his his facial hair got me a tenth of a point victory, and I feel <laughs> I'm now ready for the regular season. All right, we'll have to start next week then. Next week we will start. All right, so that's going to wrap up this episode of Wax Packs Heroes. Also going to wrap up, I don't know, I really liked doing this episode. I hope uh, I like it after I've edited it as much as I did while we were doing it. But uh, yeah, if you cannot get enough of people rewriting the lyrics to the 1986 Get Metsmerized, you can find us on social media. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at T-W-O Strike Noise. Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're still on YouTube. We're still on Twitch. We really need to get going on some more stuff there. We also have an email address a lot of people have been using. Yeah, you can write to us at Two Strike Noise. Spell it out. T-W-O Strike Noise at gmail.com. So we'll be back next week when we will uh, dissect uh, Baron Gare Boogie. I think that's what we're going to do next week. But uh, yeah, uh, probably not. But uh, we will see you on the next episode <laughs> of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Get